Welcome to Unwanted Guests, the podcast that teaches you about insects and other pests that may join you in and around your home. It's brought to you by Texas A&M AgriLife Extension and the Texas A&M Department of Entomology. We're your hosts, Wizzy Brown, Janet Hurley, and Molly Keck. And today we're talking fleas. So, One of my favorite topic. Well, as, as pet owners, all of us are. I mean, this is something you... You may or may not think about, but it seems like this year, and I don't know about, because I'm up in the DFW area, how things are in Austin and San Antonio, but I'm telling you, I'm seeing fleas. I'm hearing about fleas from a lot of folks. How about y'all? They're bad here too. I mean, but that froze, that freeze was supposed to kill them all off, right? Yeah, people right? Would, people would hope. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody said... <laughs> Right. Obviously, that did not happen. No. <laughs> no, I don't think the freeze did anything. And then we've had rain all across Texas. And I think that just really, really helped those fleas to just take off. I guess all the eggs survived. And when you have all the eggs surviving, you have more adults coming out and major problems with your Well, and plus and all that moisture and you have that organic matter that's building up that's wet. And that just makes it more perfect and the larvae have plenty of stuff to feed on and you know they're just going gangbusters sure ladies this this is something and i mean i've read i've looked at documents but y'all being the the entomologist how long can a flea live and can they live indoors successfully without animals yes that's the thing that throws people off right so when you have fleas the the pupil stage is encased in not only the the pupil case but they also wrap debris from their environment around them and so it's like this little impenetrable package and if that's going to be hanging out indoors and there isn't a food source around then they just hang out there until something comes along. And so if you move into a house or an apartment or some sort of area, and even if you don't have any pets, if the previous owners happen to have pets that happen to have fleas, those pupa are going to sense the vibration as you move in and you are walking along. And so that signals to them, there's a host nearby and that causes them to hatch out and they can actually emerge as adults and start their life cycle. And I love it when you go on vacation and you've taken your dog somewhere else or your pet somewhere else while to, to be watched, right? And then you step inside and you get off that airplane late at night and you step to brush your teeth and all the fleas climb up your legs because they've been trapped in your house and they're all on whatever rugs you have. Uh, that happened to me personally and it is disgusting. It's a nice welcome home. It was a great way to spend the first night home, middle of the night, you're exhausted and we're vacuuming like crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So, so that, I don't even know which way to go on this one because I've got like three questions forming in my head. So what do you do? I mean, Molly, you just said vacuum, but I'm a huge, well, I mean, in that case, I didn't have anything on hand, but I'm a huge advocate for, 
for that indoors vacuum, 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 especially if you don't really want to use a lot of pesticides inside of your home, because you can suck up those eggs and the pupa and the larva and even the adults, but you got to get rid of it. You know, once you've sucked up what's in the vacuum, dump it out somewhere, you know, bag it up and put it outside. Don't just stick it right back in your closet. And I, I swear it was Wizzy that I heard give a presentation years and years ago. And, and there was a study from maybe Ohio State is what you had said. And it was like they had found that somewhere in the 80 percent, 80 to 86 is the number that I'm thinking of, was the reduction of, of, fl of fleas that they had found if you vacuum twice a day, which to me is that's a really significant reduction without using any insecticides. Well, and you also have to make sure that you are vacuuming properly. This isn't like my kid vacuuming, which <laughs> is usually the center of the room. You need to vacuum under furniture. You need to vacuum the edges. You know, you need to make sure that you're doing a very thorough job. And you can even like get the hose attachment and vacuum like the couches and chairs and stuff like that. If your animals are completely spoiled like mine are, they're on the furniture just like we are. So I need to make sure that I vacuum those areas as well. You want to target any area that your pet is going to be located in. And so that could be indoors, that could be outdoors. So it's really gonna depend on where your pet is because they're gonna be carrying the adult fleas on their body. And as those adult fleas mate and lay eggs, those eggs get dislodged as the animal's moving around and it falls down into the environment, whether that's carpeting indoors or on the turf outdoors. And so if you have dogs that go inside and outside, which hopefully you do, unless you have trained them to go to the litter box, mm -hmm. um, you know, those dogs are going to be in and out. So you're going to need to target your treatment both indoors and outside. And you need to make sure that you are coordinating that. So when you're talking about flea control, you have to really do a flea control program, especially if you have pets, because you have to control inside, you have to control outside, and you have to control on the animal itself. And that includes, since I pretty much know the three of our homes, all of us have um, a lot of hard surface floors. In other words, tile, laminate, wood, whatever. But even when you have a hard surface floor, you still gonna make sure throw rugs, dog beds, anything else, like you said, soft surfaces. Right, well, even with the hard surfaces, if you get along the edges, if you think about that, if you're with pets, you know, we all have pets, that dog hair or cat hair or whatever, it kind of piles up along the sides of the hardwood floors or whatever. And so you get that stuff and that is a great place for those fleas to hang out. So you really need to make sure that if you're cleaning that floor, that you're getting that debris area, because that could be where those fleas are hanging out too. So we talked about outside, but there are some myths and then there's some truths. But if we're talking wild animals and I'm thinking not major wild, squirrels, rabbits. Um, possums. Possums, things that maybe roam your neighborhood. Are they carriers or fleas? Is, I mean, is that something you should, should be aware of? Definitely, yeah. And 
another big one is feral cats. I don't think people realize how many feral cats travel through their backyard. And, you know, every time they jump or step hard, a flea can drop off and they can certainly infest your yard. Even if you don't have pets, you can have a flea infested yard because of the wildlife that's coming through. Let's discuss what is a flea. What kind of insect is it? It is a small flattened insect with jumping hind legs and they are ectoparasites on animals. So they need a blood meal to produce eggs and to survive. And something I find cool about fleas, which, you know, most people find disgusting, but you know, I'm strange, just fine. Um, the adults are going to feed on blood from the animal, but they partially digest the blood. And so there is some of that blood material in their fecal material. So they also are going to have that fecal material falling off the animal and the larvae that are in the environment. So in the carpeting or in the yard or something like that, they also require blood to develop. And so they will eat not only organic matter that they find in those areas, but they also eat that partially digested blood from the adults. So that's how they get the blood that they're feeding on. So if you've ever um, heard the term flea dirt, or you know, if you're combing your animals for fleas, then you can actually not only get the fleas off, but you get that little black speckly stuff that's actually the partially digested blood. And that's what people call flea dirt. So it's not actually dirt, it's flea poop. All right, so I'm not, I've got fleas. I've been taking care of my, my, my pets, but I feel like things aren't working. I think that brings up a good point though, Janet. You've some, I, th I think that there are a lot of flea products that you can get kind of over the counter at you know, your local pet store that aren't quite as effective anymore. And there's a lot of, it seems like um, every year, every other year, several years, there's new products that come out that you can get through your veterinarian. And I honestly think those products tend to work better for the pet than those that you're purchasing over the counter. And then people are, because it's easy to access and relatively cheap, they're giving their pet or applying that to their pet too often. And they're getting some resistance to those fleas, to those products. So when you say, I think I'm doing it right on my pet, you know, ask yourself, how often are you applying it? And are you getting this through a veterinarian? And if it's not working, that might be the route that you need to go. People also need to consider what type of treatment they are doing. I have a dog who loves water. And every time I walk her and there's water, she's in it. And I was using topical flea treatments, like the little spot on that you would put on the shoulder, like between their shoulder blades. And it wasn't working for her. And it's because she was always in the water. And so it was washing that product off. And so it would not last a month. And so I actually had to transfer my animals over to a chewable that they actually use. So make sure that you're taking in the habits of your animals as well when you're choosing those flea treatments. So this is definitely something that I would recommend talking to your veterinarian about and, you know, mentioning your dog's habits and stuff like that to get the best product for them. Great point, because yes, I agree with both of you on understanding and, and again, we all pet 
owners. And this is just one of those things. It's not only near and dear to our hearts because we, we are all our pet owners, but it's also, we get these questions a lot from, from the public. So I've taken, I've taken precautions from my, from my animals, but now what about my yard? Not only your yard, your house. So um, when we're talking about the yard, you really need to focus on where your dog hangs out. If they're anything like mine or cats or whatever. Um, a lot of people have like catios on their backyard. And if that's where the treatment needs to be, then you need to be very careful about the products that you are choosing for fleas and use around cats because cats can be very sensitive to some types of pesticides. So make sure that you are reading product labels, or if you're having somebody do that treatment for you, that you are getting the labels from them and checking that to make sure that everything's going to be kosher. And again, you know, you can contact us if you have questions, you can contact your veterinarian and they can help you with that information. But as far as outdoors, target where your animal hangs out. You know, I have certain tracks that my dogs run in my backyard, so I know where they would be dropping stuff. The other thing when you're doing flea treatments outside, you really don't need to focus. And I, I said, don't. You do not need to focus on areas that get full sun all day because those areas are really gonna to be too hot because they're getting direct sunlight all day long and the flea immature stages are not really going to be in those particular areas. So, you know, shadier areas or that get shade some parts of the day, those are the areas that you really need to target. And you can use a variety of products. Um, sometimes people will do a contact. Some people will do an insect growth regulator, which actually disrupts the life cycle of the flea. And then some people will do a combination of the two. And any of those are going to work. The important thing is to make sure that you read and follow all of the labeled instructions of whatever product that you are choosing. The other thing that is really, really important for flea control is that you are going to have to have at least two treatments done. And why that is, is because of that pupil case. You know, we talked earlier about how that pupil case is kind of impenetrable. So when you do your initial flea treatment, you're gonna kill the eggs, you're gonna kill the larvae, but those pupae are just gonna be sitting there in that protective little case hanging out. And so what you have to do is you treat 10 to 14 days later after that initial flea treatment. And that is going to give those pupa enough time to hatch out as adults. And then you would be able to knock out that population. Wizzy mentioned using insect growth regulators. I like to recommend that if you don't own the animals that have the flea problem. And then that way you get a little bit longer residual because you're preventing them, you're, you know, whatever fleas are drop, dropping off and coming in contact with that pesticide can't produce more fleas. And those babies don't become more adult fleas. So I, I, even when you don't, you know, if you have no control over what is dropping off the fleas, I recommend that. But even if you don't, I think that gives you a pretty good, a little bit longer residual than just the contact insecticides. Well, and then, you know, as Wizzy was explaining all this, and I'm sitting here thinking of my yard, and she's saying that they like, you know, the 
the not full sun area and I just want you ladies both to know that it actually what went through my head was wow fleas and mosquitoes like like to hang out in almost the same places <laughs> it's the one-two punch yeah because nothing says happiness like a, a flea bite and a mosquito bite you know but now you mentioned indoors mm-hmm. and I want to take this one step further because say I'm someone and I'm moving into a home, I don't have pets and yet I'm seeing fleas. And typically where I, I don't know about y'all, but I hear this more frequently from folks in, in the master bath or a guest bath somewhere in a, in a, in a quote unquote wet area of a house they are constantly having a flea problem. And it's because again, it's not a slab foundation. So it's gonna be pyramid or something up. How do you deal with that? If that crawl space is accessible, you need to go see what's hanging out under there. So that might mean if you're not the one that's brave enough to go, go into a crawl space, calling a professional? Y- yes. Um... It could be that you have something living in the crawl space that you're unaware of. And, you know, I, we, we don't have a lot of crawl spaces in the Austin area, but I lived in Houston for a period of time and there's tons of pure and beam there. And some crawl spaces are very accessible. Other crawl spaces, not so much, but um, you definitely could have the possibility that you had animals move into that space that are carrying fleas and now you're breeding a population down there. So you would not only need to first trap and remove those animals that are living in that space, but then you would need to follow that up with the flea treatment. Any other thoughts, Molly? You know, something funny that this, this is not, I'm not advocating for this at all, but something around our area that people always say is if you throw banana leaves under uh, your house, because we have a lot of pier and beam in the older parts of uh, San Antonio. And so people will throw banana leaves underneath their house and they swear by it that it controls fleas. And I don't think it does. So the other thing that people will sometimes do to curb whatever's in the crawl space is throw mothballs down there and that is not a legal application for that Um, and then everything's going to smell like mothballs and it would be really gross anyway so that is not something we recommend the other one i've always heard of and this is i mean more north texas or east texas is to throw hedge apples oh yeah my mom used to put those in the windows of our basement to um, keep spiders out. And it was always funny because there was always a spider web with a spider in it, like right next to it. And it cracked me up. Yeah. So those home remedies don't always really work. I think the biggest thing that you could do for that crawl space, especially with all the moisture we've had, is trying to air it out. But another thing people will... Uh, try to use is diatomaceous earth. And I think that while diatomaceous earth is a good product, it will, anything that has an exoskeleton, it will, it will uh, be abrasive and it will cut that exoskeleton. And so eventually they'll dry out and die where most insects like to hang out are very moist and wet, humid places. And a large part of Texas just is a humid 
uh, spot too. And once that, I think it's like, once it becomes, once the air is at 20% humidity, that diatomaceous earth, the, the efficacy of it starts to decline and the wetter and wetter and more moist it gets, it gets clumpy, it's not as abrasive and it becomes less and less effective. So it, uh, diatomaceous earth can kill insects or anything with an exoskeleton, but where they are found is not the place that diatomaceous earth works best. And when people use diatomaceous earth, please make sure that you are putting out a very light dusting of the diatomaceous earth in an area that it won't get stirred up because a lot of times I go into places and it looks like it's snowed inside and that's really too much diatomaceous earth. The insects are just gonna avoid that area instead of walking through that DE just like we want them to. And you also need to understand if you're using diatomaceous earth, those particles, depending on how you put it out, can come right back to you, the applicator. So using caution, understanding, I mean, moderation goes a long way. Well, one more thing before we go. Besides my dog and cat, any other domestic pets that I need to worry about that might get fleas? I, I would say any kind of warm-blooded mammal is capable of getting fleas. So rabbits. Right. Well, I, I, I'm just a dog and cat. And well, we have reptiles in the house as well. But reptiles, I don't think I have to worry about with fleas. But, you know, I think rabbits maybe, I don't know, do people do like chinchillas? and? Yes, they do. I bought my brother some chinchillas for Christmas a few years ago. But I don't think they get, well, I mean, they don't go outside. So I don't know how they would pick up fleas unless it was from another animal. I agree with you. I guess anything that's warm-blooded probably could have fleas. There's also stick-tight fleas, which honestly, I don't know if they're truly fleas or something else that can get on, um, you know, your if you have backyard chickens, but those are specific to poultry and not going to get on your dogs and cats. And I would that's assume if you had like pet rats, that those could definitely harbor fleas. I was actually going towards the chickens, Molly, was I was oh, thinking, okay. I was, wasn't sure if, if there was a, I mean, I know that we have, you know, cat fleas, dog fleas, and rat fleas. Oh, and that's a good point, Janet. So we've got cat fleas, dog fleas, and rat fleas, but the most common flea that you'll get is usually the cat flea on both your dogs and your cats. Um, but yeah, there are stick tight fleas on um, chickens. So a lot of people have backyard chickens now, but those are specific to poultry and will not get on, should not get on your pets. And I, I doubt they would get on to you. Um, and that, I don't, I have no idea how to treat that. I'm sure that there's a publication somewhere with the extension that you could um, check out. But um, I would assume that you would ask your veterinarian or go to your, your local co-op or feed store and see if they have any, anything that you could topically apply to your pet. Or to your chicken, sorry. So, Wizzy, you want to wrap this up? All right. So remember, if you have a flea issue, you need to make sure that you are treating all areas. So that would be any pets that you may have, indoors and outdoors. And you need to make sure that you are focusing on the products that need to be used in those particular areas or on your pets. If you have questions, you can always contact us or your veterinarian. 
So thank you so much for sticking with us for this episode of Unwanted Guests. For more information, you can go to extensionentomology.tamu.edu. Catch you next time.